We believe that video is a powerful tool for change. It can help expose human rights abuses and hold perpetrators to account. Here, we take you through the stories and experiences of activists across Africa who are turning to video in the defense of their human rights. Welcome to Video for Justice, a Witness Africa podcast series. Hi everybody, my name is Adibaya Okeo and I'm the Africa Program Manager at Witness and I'm excited and delighted to have you on another episode of Video for Justice. My name is Inkem Agonwa and I'm the Africa Project Coordinator at Witness. Today, as always, we're talking about something very important and we're talking about internet shutdowns on the continent um, and the impact that they have on the advancement and promotion of human rights. Ugandans voted in a tense election under heavy security and an internet blackout on January 14th. Nigeria's government says it's suspending Twitter indefinitely. Our authorities in eastern Ethiopia are blocking internet access amid an outbreak of violence. The government ordered an internet shutdown the day before the vote after blocking social media sites earlier. There was frustration on the streets as people struggled to communicate and access information. So I think it's just important to first establish and dig into it when we talk about internet shutdown. So Inkem, maybe you want to give it a go first. What what should people know when we talk about internet shutdowns? Internet shutdown as a term has a very simple definition. So it is the intentional restriction of access to the internet. That's a very simple definition, right? Mm-hmm. But the impact is so dire the impact is not as simple. Mm -hmm. It is really complex because it cuts across the fabric of a society. Access to information, access to education, the right to freedom of expression. And so that restriction Mm -hmm. is not something we should take lightly. As individuals, as civil society organizations, as activists, we must push back against it. I think we should also establish that It's not just when the entire internet is shut down, right, that it becomes an internet shutdown. That term captures any form of restriction to the internet, which would include throttling or blocking certain access to certain websites or um, the likes. Exactly. And why this is, this is something that we should all work together to push back against this. We we all boxed in the euphoria that the internet is the one place where the common man can express themselves freely. I mean, we talked about the democratized space, mm-hmm. seeing the shrinking civic space in the physical world. Right. To know now that we are now experiencing the it's shrinking of the digital civic space, exactly. it becomes almost like we have no more. We have there's no more room to express ourselves. Mm -hmm. And what's troubling as well is to see the frequency with which this is happening. According to Access Now, there were 128 intentional shutdowns between January to July of 2019. Mm -hmm. And in Africa, according to that same report, there's a total of 25 documented instances of partial or total internet shutdown. Mm -hmm. And if you compare this to the recorded 20 shutdowns in 2018 and 12 in 2017, you see that there is a diffusion effect. It is now becoming more widespread. Mm -hmm. For every country that institutes that, it almost emboldens 
other neighboring countries to do the same. And speaking about statistics, it's interesting you brought that up because, again, figures don't lie, right? Um, In the first five months of 2021 alone, there were, according to Access Now again, and credit to Access Now for doing such phenomenal work on this issue, there were at least 50 internet shutdowns in 21 countries in the first five months of 2021 alone wow. that already exceeds your number of you know internet shutdown in in the entire 2018 year 2018 and while we also a distinction that we also are beginning to realize is that while internet shutdowns used to just be something sort of um, the preserve of dictators before we're also beginning to see internet shutdowns being perpetrated in democratic societies, and that is a very worrying trend. And maybe you also want to speak about why this matters to us at Witness. This absolutely matters because at the core of what we do is to empower communities, to empower activists and human rights defenders to document human rights violations and also expose them. And the one medium through which they can do this Mm -hmm. is through the internet, on social media. And when that access is blocked, it automatically restricts the rights of these people to defend their rights. At the end of the day, it actually allows the truth to die in darkness, you know. It absolutely does. And we see this also in as excuses when there's a protest, for example, exactly. and the government says we're trying to restore law and order. But this is the most, it is the most extreme form of censorship. Yeah. You absolutely do not want any kind of dissent and you want to be in control of the narrative. Exactly. So we must call it out for what it is. Right. Um, we did reach out to some people um, in other parts of Africa Africa to tell us how internet shutdowns have impacted on their human rights. And so here are some feedback we received from across the continent. We'll take a listen to these opinions and we'll be right back. So on 12 August 2021, Zambia held its tripartite general elections. On that day, we suffered an internet shutdown, which for many of us was very upsetting and frustrating. The shutdown disconnected us from each other and deprived us the chance to actively participate in the real-time happenings around the country regarding this crucial democratic exercise. We had no access to real-time updates of the election process and this created immense anxiety among most of us that were hoping for a regime change and were feeling rather insecure that the then government of the day would use the internet disruption to tamper with the results of the election. Fortunately, thanks to technology, many of us employed virtual private networks, VPN, and thereby took back our power to exercise our entrenched right to access information and express our opinions. 5th of June 2021, the federal government of Nigeria placed an indefinite ban on Twitter. This meant that people living in Nigeria could no longer access Twitter. As an individual, I was not greatly affected as I do not often use Twitter. However, my family and friends were greatly affected as they often use Twitter for different uh, purposes. Some of them use Twitter to get the most up-to-date information, news, and some of them use it to solicit for jobs and other economic activities, selling and all that. So this ban on Twitter greatly affected them. 
Naitwa Miriam kutoka Arusha. My name is Miriam from Arusha, Tanzania. That time when the internet was cut off, we were so affected because we were able to communicate with our relatives. Some who are outside the country and others who are sick we were really affected and in general the lack of communication was a big problem at the time. It's really amazing how we can see a similar pattern across many parts of the continent. And I just like that for instance in Zambia people were able to circumvent an internet shutdown. And we definitely know that that has been the similar case in Nigeria where after the Twitter ban people resorted to using VPNs to to bypass um, an internet shutdown and still get their word out their truth out and express themselves and exercise their rights so i i think it's important at this time to then practically discuss what are some of the ways people could um, ensure that they during an internet shutdown can still continue to document human rights abuses expose the truth effectively documenting human rights violations during an internet shutdown is ever so important because we know that internet shutdowns are oftentimes instituted at a period of unrest, heightened tension, and oftentimes conflict. And so those are times where history has shown us that violations occur, and they can easily go unnoticed or unexposed. The first point to start is preparation. It is important to prepare. And some some of the ways to prepare actually involves access to the internet. And so at the time of the shutdown is not the time you want to start downloading some of the apps that you would need that would help you communicate effectively during a shutdown. Apps like Signal, for example, and other important applications that you would need to document safely. So um, we have the Eyewitness to Atrocity, which is an app that helps you document more trustworthy video that reaches the evidentiary standard. We have proof mode, which helps to retain the authenticity, authenticity, which helps to retain the authenticity of of your video. So these are some of the applications that you want to download on your phone while you still can, while you still have access to the internet. And then you also want to be able to maintain the evidence that you have gathered. Because it's just as important to gather this evidence as it is to preserve them. Because only then can you use it to advocate and to seek justice in the court of law. And then you have to then decide how to share and communicate this evidence. In the guidance that is provided on our website, there are ways to share documents offline. There are very effective ways in which you can do that. And if you take your time to go through our guidance, you would be adequately informed on how to do that effectively. And also when you have internet restored, there are also ways in which you can do that safely and effectively. Ultimately, you must ask yourself the question whether or not you should share this evidence publicly and how to do that. So going to the point of how you not just document, but how you preserve, I think it's very key to emphasize that um, preserving and archiving your footage is very key. You might want to have it on an offline device, you know, and in multiple places, because again, it's not impossible that some some of your devices might be, you know, seized or damaged 
by the authorities that may not want you to expose the truth. But then if you have already documented and preserved them in offline spaces that are safe, then it almost certainly guarantees that that, that evidence will be ready to use when things are back online. And also speaking about how to share and how to disseminate, you always must think thoroughly about where to send your footage to. It is not so much about how many eyes see your footage, but about the right kind of eyes that see your footage that can do something about it. Yes, it's good to expose it to as many people as possible, but more importantly is that those people that, are, that can take action on it, that can decide to push for accountability, that they are the people that this evidence is being brought before them. And you're being strategic about that as well. Um, we also currently have launched a, a global campaign on internet shutdowns, whereby we're able to you know, pick lessons and share experiences, not just from Africa, but, but from Asia, from the US and from other places where people are beginning to you know, devise methods and solutions for how to counter internet shutdowns and document safely during those times. Yes, so please visit our social media handles at witnessorg or at witness underscore Africa. And the campaign is called Eyes on Shutdown. And you can use the hashtag Eyes on Shutdown. This is an area that you should be interested in. We have robust materials that break down the concept of internet shutdowns, the impact of it, and why you should be interested and join us in pushing back against this. At Witness, our stance is that access to the internet is a human right, and internet shutdowns violate that right. And, and I think finally, before we deep out, I would just say every other stakeholder has a role to play as well. Um, as civil society organizations, there's just so much we can do in advocating for the respect and the, the promotion of this right to access the internet. Um, I, I feel that many mobile companies need to also recognize that they have um, an obligation to uphold constitutional provisions and human rights and principles of international human rights. Because in most instances, governments, when they embark on internet shutdowns, they rely on these mobile companies, mobile phone companies, to be able to execute it. And many of them just decide to look away from the constitutional provisions and go ahead and comply with government regulations. I, I wish to see more mobile companies themselves take a stand and say, how about you give us a, a, a constitutionally backed court order? that um, provides for this and not just some regulatory body imposing that we must do this. Um, it's been really good being able to have this conversation. Thank you, Inkem, for um, being on this episode of the podcast. Yay. I am certain that she will be back. <laughs> I will be. Yeah. So thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you all for tuning into our podcast episode. Remember that you can listen to other previous episodes. Um, you could just check out Video for Justice or Witness Africa on your favorite podcast streaming platform, and you would be able to stay tuned to all that we've done before and learn a lot more about people's um, ways of fighting against injustice and advancing accountability in their corner of the world. Take care, everybody, and catch up later. And keep it on. Thank you for listening to this episode of Video for Justice. Please consider sharing this with someone else and do follow us on social media at witness underscore Africa. You can also send us an email via africa at witness.org.